Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art, where we bring you a new story about your world in every episode. Today's guest is Rafael McDonald, the Senior Advocacy Policy and Communications Manager for the Resource Center, one of the largest LGBTQIA community centers in the country, located in Dallas, Texas. Our conversation today will center on the LGBTQIA senior population. Imagine living an openly gay life, but having to go into the closet during your golden years in order to avoid discrimination. We'll learn how Dallas, Texas is preparing affordable housing for queer elders to ensure everyone retires with dignity. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Did you know that only 20% of queer seniors in long-term care facilities say they were comfortable being open about their sexual orientation? According to a recent report by Justice and Aging, a national nonprofit legal advocacy organization, one in five seniors live in fear that they will be discriminated if they remain out of the closet. Yes, that fearless generation that protested for AIDS drugs and marched on Washington, D.C., are now facing a crisis of living in long-term facilities that may not be welcoming to all. The Human Rights Campaign Foundation and SAGE, which advocates for LGBTQ elders, urge nursing homes and long-term care communities to develop and include non-discrimination protections specific to older queer residents through the 2021 Long-Term Care Equality Index. A survey in 2022 found that less than 30% of long-term care communities have policies in place to prevent discrimination against residents based on their orientation or identity. President Joe Biden recently boosted efforts to increase those policies with an executive order, calling on the Department of Health and Human Services to develop guidance on preventing discrimination in long-term care facilities. There are regulations that nursing homes funded by Medicare must comply with, but Biden's order is the first to explicitly include older LGBTQ plus people. Another move that is positively addressing the queer senior care crisis are local initiatives to house our elders in safe and planned communities. Urban centers with large queer populations are starting to create retirement villages to ensure our queer elders don't have to fight another battle to live free from discrimination. LGBTQ resource centers are starting their own affordable senior housing programs. There was a recent groundbreaking in Dallas to launch its first ever center, and today's guest, Rafael McDonald, will share how his community stepped up to meet this challenge head on. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine who has been working his whole life to ensure the LGBT community in North Texas is protected, served, and respected unconditionally. 
I locked arms with Rafael for many fights when I lived in Dallas for LGBTQ public accommodations during the early 2000s. One of my best memories of my civil rights journey was when we helped pass protections for LGBTQ youth in Dallas, Texas, and Rafael helped draft those very protections that ensured LGBTQ bullying would be addressed. Today, we're talking with Rafael about the other end of that spectrum, ensuring that our LGBTQ elders are protected in their golden years. Welcome, Rafael. Hi, Jesse. Good to talk to you again. Thank you so much. It's been a long time of me wanting to connect with you. You've done a lot of good work for the Resource Center of Dallas. How long have you been with that um, organization? I just uh, celebrated my 15th anniversary uh, Memorial Day weekend. I tell folks often that the only thing I have done longer than work at Resource Center is go to school. And that's, <laughs> it's kind of flippant, but, you know, it's very true. I can't, you know, I can't imagine that I've ended up in this position. When I took the job back in 2008, I had told myself, okay, I'll do it for five years. You know, I wanted to give myself a little bit of background and so forth. Well, what happened after five years in 2013, we had the Windsor ruling on marriage. I said, okay, I'll stick around a little longer. And before I knew it, we had Obergefell, and then we had the pushback of the previous administration, and then we had President Biden election. There's just so much stuff. It's like, well, I guess I've just kind of, uh, you know, settled in now and continue to work on various projects in various areas. And I'm so happy that, you know, younger generations are taking up this fight. Yes, in the last 20 years, so much has happened for LGBTQ rights, and it's just been amazing how we've been able to navigate that in our careers. I always treasure that you made yourself available to any nonprofit in North Texas that wanted to partner with your organization, because I was busy with LULAC and the Stonewall Democrats, and whenever we needed assistance for space or to highlight an issue in the community, you're always welcoming, you know, to partnership. And I deeply appreciate making you making yourself available for every cause that we came to. Um, and you're just a really true, you know, diehard public servant at heart. Um, before the Resource Center, you were in journalism, correct? I was in journalism. I, I worked uh, behind the scenes for one of the television stations here in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Then before that, I spent uh, 16 years in radio, full and part-time, in three different markets, uh, Oklahoma City, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Houston. Uh, immediately before joining the Resource Center, I spent a um, year and a half, not quite two years, working for one of the uh, public universities uh, here, in, here in the area. Uh, in their news and information department and then uh, went, went directly to the resource center. Amazing. Thank you so much for ending up in this career where you're like bringing all your communication skills uh, to, you know, use your, you're using your powers for good. <laughs> one of the great things, one of the big changes that I've seen at the, at the center is that we've actually kind of expanded this. It used to be, you know, me doing everything and being everywhere and so forth. We now have a staff of three people, including a trans woman who is able to talk to the lived experiences of being trans, and she's great. Um, the other person who works for us is actually somebody who worked uh, on Capitol Hill, and he is the best public policy uh, nerd, and I mean that in a very complimentary way, that you could hope to have in a job like this. Yeah, and I also just want to point out that the Resource Center has always been uh, very helpful to the starting of people of color organizations. When LULAC Lambda, I mean, the Dallas Rainbow Council started, 
its first regular meeting place was at the Resource Center. So I want to thank you, Rafael, for opening your doors back then. And your Latina grandmother would be so proud. Oh, I, I know. I know she would be. I know she would be. <laughs> so real quick, the reason we're talking to you today is because something magical has happened in North Texas. They're actually building a facility for LGBTQ seniors to retire. And this is something that we're all going to be facing soon. A lot of people don't understand some of the complications that LGBTQ sen uh, seniors face as they grow older, especially on public accommodation. Only 20 states and the District of Columbia ensure that LGBT people uh, live free from discrimination in access uh, and being able to access housing, employment, public accommodation. Rafael, living in one of these 30 states that doesn't provide those protections, what have you seen happen to seniors in Dallas County and or Texas? Well, I think what we see here in, in, in Texas as one of the, uh, the, the, the nearly two and a half dozen or so states that don't have these protections is really kind of a perfect storm. On the one hand, you have the lack of protections. You also have the fact that this generation of you know, incoming seniors, if you will, let's say the 50 plus, that's roughly the ARP definition of seniors. Um, we came out much earlier. We maybe we didn't get married. We don't have children. Some of those traditional backstops that have um, society has kind of used over the years to help deal with older populations. Then on top of that is the growing shortage of affordable homes and apartments. Um, you can just pick a neighborhood, you know, anywhere, not just, uh, you know, Montrose in Dallas or, or there in D.C., you know, pick someplace like, you know, Boys Town of Chicago or Montrose in Houston is just a couple of other examples. Affordable housing is disappearing at a rapid rate as people redevelop those neighborhoods. In fact, here in Dallas, they said there's about a 20,000 unit shortage of affordable homes and apartments in this market. And uh, market race housing is being built, but it can't quite catch up yet. It's, we're still having to worry about uh, being able to catch up with that. Um, we know that uh, about three in four LGBTQ Americans, 45 plus, say they, their biggest concern is having adequate family or social support on to rely on when they age. And there's an organization here in Dallas that we partner with called the Coalition for Aging LGBT. They did a survey of LGBTQIA seniors, and that survey showed that the most pressing and urgent need for the population here in North Texas is the need for transitional or senior living facilities that provide respectful and appropriate care that you know they would they, they critically are going to need as they age. Yeah, some of our listeners need to realize that once you reach an age where you're no longer able to care for yourself, you're going to be stuck to a room where you're going to be living out your days. And you better pray and hope that you get a, a someone that's a caregiver that's LGBTQ friendly, you know? And the, the, the fact is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, how much folks have saved for retirement, how much, you know, many folks haven't saved for retirement. Here's some scary numbers. Yeah. One third of LGBTQ adults age 65 and older live at or below 200% of the federal poverty level. If you're a single person, that's about $25,000, $26,000 a year. So one-third make less than that. Um, that percentage rises to 40%, 4 out of 10 of LGBTQ adults ages 80 or over. You later on top of that, you know, concerns about health and access to medicine and access to care, you know, it can be a pretty grim picture. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, this whole idea of senior housing is something we're doing here in Dallas, and it's something that we're seeing in, in other cities as well. 
for our listeners that are 30 and below, do not tune out. This is scary information, but you need to start planning now for your retirement because it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, especially for people like me that never, like you said, Rafael, never were able to get married and have children. You know, I'm not going to have that family to fall back on. I'm just going to be me and my retirement navigating my golden years and figuring out how I'm going to be able to be in a safe place that it's not going to discriminate against me because I don't plan to go back into the closet unless I really have to in order to, uh, you know, get along in my environment to stay safe. But it's sad that someone would have to go back into the closet after being out all of their lives. Right. And, you know, there are efforts and have been efforts uh, to reach out to senior facilities and educate them on best practices in terms of, you know, how to be respectful, what are pronouns, how if, let's say, you have someone who is transgender or gender nonconforming, what, how do you, how do you work with them on those particular, uh, on, that, on that particular front? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are working on that end. But at the same time, you know, you want to have a community of your peers, um, some survey work that we kind of interpolated through folks like the Williams Institute. Um, the North Texas community is home to about 13,250 LGBTQ seniors. That number is expected to double in the next 10 years. So there's going to be just more folks. And so that is why that is why we've decided to pursue senior housing. Now, we are not alone in this. A number of LGBTQ IA community centers around the country have similar projects. Uh, uh, the Los Angeles LGBTQ Center, which is a, one of the one of the largest in the country, um, they've got a brand new building that just opened um, opened actually during the pandemic, I believe. Uh, that they would took a couple years to build, and it's it, it's a nice large facility. Um, I believe New York has one. I know the first one in Texas was actually down at the Montrose Center in Houston. Um, and we looked at some of these places. I, I specifically, I remember in 2016, uh, going to Chicago and seeing the project that the Center on Halstead was building. They were fortunate in that they didn't have to build a building from the ground up. They actually, the, the city of Chicago donated to them a, a police substation that just happens to be um, like one block off of Halstead Street, which is kind of the main the main drag of the neighborhood there in Chicago. So they had that building already there and it has electricity going to it and sewage going to it and so forth. So all they had to do was renovate the building and turn that into senior housing. Um, you know, we're building literally from the ground up. I mean, we poured the foundation just a matter of weeks ago. We had our formal groundbreaking um, mid-May or early mid-May. And we're now, we're now actually, you know, the dirt's been shoveled and now we're laying the concrete down. It's amazing. What funds were you able to access to pay for this facility? Are the funds came from a bunch of different places, and I'm going to have to go back and look exactly through how many different ones. It's we ourselves raised about four and a, a little more than four million dollars or so worth of money, but the money also came from a variety of other places. Uh, some of it came through a through tax increment or TIF financing. Some of it came through some money that Dallas County received uh, from the uh, American Rescue and Recovery Plan. Uh, some of it came from uh, investments by you know traditional mortgage type folks. So altogether, the entire development is going to cost twenty two point seven million dollars. Of that, four million came from this. Well, it's great. It's great to know that progressive. People in Dallas County that were elected decided to uh, greenlight this project and provide some 
um, funding for it. So thank you to those elected officials that were brave enough in North Texas to greenlight that. Well, and I think, you know, they're brave enough, but also they understand the fact that we don't have enough affordable housing here, period. This particular, the senior project, we're not discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Of course, we want, you know, this to be the place that LGBTQIA folks go, but we can't say if you're straight, you can't come here and so forth. So that's that's a very important thing to kind of- uh, That's what I was going to ask. Who will qualify for housing in this resident center? Well, it, it, it'll be income-based, and the actual rent is going to be based on uh, your, your level of income. And so the rent will be kind of, you know, is it like 30%, 40%, 50%, something like that. There'll be some specific numbers that people will be able to apply, and they'll be able to determine what level of rent they are able to pay. What amenities will be available to these residents? Well, we're working on that. We know, we know there's going to be some, you know, some common rooms and internet access and things like that. But in terms of like specific finishes and, and things like that, that's still something that is coming together in this process. Uh, our plan is that we want to have this building open and available for folks to do move in in June of next year. So Pride Month 2024, that's the day the moving trucks are going to pull up and the first residents are going to be going into the building. Hopefully we'll have a bingo night. I'm sure we will. And of course, <laughs> we're at Resource Center, that's one of the things we, we still have is we still have a, our gay bingo program. I was, let's talk about that. Prior to this housing project that you all undertook, what programs do you have at the Resource Center currently for queen, uh, queer seniors? Well, we've had programming since 2007. It has changed its name a couple different times. And currently it is called Thrive. And we're the only LGBTQ-focused community program for older adults right here in the North Texas area. And it's designed to you know, combat some of the issues that face seniors like you know, social isolation and depression. Uh, we have a, you know, a variety of monthly mixers and uh, special events like the, the Queer Senior Prom in the spring, uh, holiday party you know, in December. We've got LGBTQ-focused mental health, substance abuse counseling. Uh, our behavioral health program is uh, available for folks. And then we build coalitions among the, the various senior service agencies that are already here in North Texas and social service providers and health professionals that are specifically focusing on the needs of seniors and are offering care for aging people. Uh, we bring that LGBTQIA focus and intentionality to them so that, that can make their job even better. That's great. Uh, if you if you were like if people were in their communities were thinking about you know building their own center, since you've walked through this this past couple of years trying to prepare for this, what advice do you have for them? The first and most important thing is you know do your homework and figure out what your plan is. You know the fact that we were able to do this by tapping so many different sources. Uh, is something that I don't think is unique to any other us or any other part of the country, but you need to be able to go out there and look and find out how and who and where you can work with. I mean, this this essentially is a three-way partnership between the center, uh, the developer, which is a company called Matthew Southwest, and Volunteers of America, uh, with the Dallas chapter of Volunteers of America, which is going to help with some of the staffing and, and, and other needs and so forth that we have. So, you know, find out who your partner organizations can be in terms of building this, whether it's a, you know, a large city, whether it's a medium sized city, whether it's a, a smaller size city, you know, figure out who your who your friends are, and then kind of go, go talk to the centers in, you know, 
here in Dallas, talk to Chicago, talk to Los Angeles, uh, figure out what it is you need. And, you know, you can kind of, you can scale it to whatever you end up needing, however much money you end up needing. And, you know, we know that this program is, is needed. And even with the, the units that we have built here, it's not going to satisfy the demand. We know that. Um, and that's something that, we're, that we have to kind of address, you know, kind of address separately through the, the cultural competency training of uh, senior services that are already out there. Um, but this, I think, is this, this is a good start. You know, there might be there may be room for us to expand. I don't know that that's whether we're going to be doing that, at, you know, in the short term or the long term. But we do have that as a possibility. Should this be as incredibly successful as I believe it's going to be? So I wish you the best of luck with this, Rafael. It's, it's such a great idea. And once again, this is supposed to open up next June in 2024. How many rooms are they? Uh, I believe it's a uh, 48. I believe is what we're 84. 84. Excuse me. 84. 84 to start years. out. And, and the one of the things I hadn't mentioned is kind of the intentionality of, of where we placed it. Um, the neighborhood in Dallas is a pretty big area, but as I mentioned, it's being redeveloped left and right. We were lucky enough to find a two acre site that just is north of the uh, the neighborhood itself. It's half a mile from our community center building and it's literally across the street from the public transit station. So let's say you have a senior that doesn't wanna drive, or can't drive, they're still able to access whatever they need. If it's you know to go to a doctor's visit, to go downtown, to be able to go to uh, one of the big shopping malls and just you know walk around and be with people and so forth, uh, you have that through the public transit link to be able to do that. So I mean that it allows folks to have a level of independence that uh, maybe they weren't getting when they were living by themselves, and, and in a sense of community and a sense of shared shared experiences and lives. That's amazing because Dallas is a very expensive place to live in, in the center, uh, especially by the neighborhood where all those properties uh, values have risen and to keep it near the neighborhood and buy a Metro station, you struck gold. We, we were very, we were very lucky to get gold. this. The, the, the particular site um, that uh, we ended up getting was a, uh, I guess the man, the, the previous owner had used it for like storage and so forth. And so it was, there was like old boats and other things on it. And it was, <laughs> it was kind of tucked away. If you didn't know where to look for it, you wouldn't find it. So I guess he had been able to, to do this for a number of years. And when we were able to get the land, you know, it just turned out to be a, a real gold mine. It took a little while for us to, to get the, to get the site prepped and all the stuff that was on it, you know, taken away, but, you know, we were able to get it done. And you know now we're now we're now this the the pace is going to quicken as we move uh, into the fall and into next year as as we look forward to getting residents there. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Uh, congratulations again on this um, beautiful project that you've launched. If people want to learn more about the resource center, where can they find you online? Uh, we are at www.myresourcecenter.org. Again, that's www.myresourcecenter.org. And if you happen to be in the North Texas area and listen to this, I would invite you to participate in uh, one of our programs that we have. Uh, it's on Tuesdays uh, called Get Centered. We usually have it uh, 
twice about I want to say maybe like once a month or so and about every other month it's completely virtual and then we're starting now that uh, now that the pandemic is we're kind of hopefully on the back end of it uh, we're starting to do them in person again uh, it's on Tuesday evenings when you then they're about an hour long and it's really kind of more about the mission of the center we provide services for about uh, I think it's 62,000 people here in North Texas, uh, and we have a, an area of health and wellness, for example. We've been historically one of the folks that has provided uh, programs and services for people affected by HIV. We mentioned that you mentioned the youth program, Youth First, we have that. Uh, we have programs for uh, young adult uh, trans and gender nonconforming folks. Uh, male identify folks, female identify folks. We have a monolingual Spanish speaker program. We, 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 we do a lot in education and advocacy. I'm always talking to somebody about something. <laughs> and they have the right person to do it. Rafael, thank you so much for all the work you've done these past uh, decades. Oh my decade God. and a half. Yeah, well, even further back than that, but certainly decade and a half at Resource Center. Thank you so much.